Trying to tell your story to the world? MailChimp can help for free. They got gorgeous pre-designed email templates. You can also code your own. And I use MailChimp. I have for many years, well before this podcast existed. And they do. They make it very easy. You can make a cool, customized thing. Super simple. They show you how to send, when you should send, why people open an email or click delete. They can also help you find your people and grow your business. MailChimp can help you tell your story effectively and find people who care about it. More at MailChimp.com. With the beginning of the new year, many of you may have resolved to take on a new challenge like starting a business, changing careers, launching a creative project. Whatever your next move might be, tackle it with Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, professional blog, online store, Squarespace allows you to create a custom platform where you can make your latest goals into a reality. My website, I've been using Squarespace, and it, man, it is so easy, and it's actually fun. You get in there, start messing around, move things around myself on my site. It's very empowered. It's nice. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code CG, like me, Chris Gethard, CG. You get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, make your next move. Hello to all the other big head kids out there. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hello all you audio voyeurs out there. People who like listening to the inner workings of other people's hearts and minds. It's Chris Gathered. Welcome back to Beautiful Anonymous. Very, very happy to uh, to be here. Last week's episode was called American Daughter. We heard from a, uh, a young lady who, whose parents were from Vietnam, whose siblings were even born in Vietnam, and she's telling us what it's like to be the first uh, first member of her family born here. A lot of positive feedback. Thank you guys for that. On the internet, a lot of people saying they enjoyed her, nice things, enjoyed enjoyed what she had to say, a glimpse into what her life was like, and also thought she was pretty fun and, and quirky in her own right, and I agree. Thank God, thank you for calling. I did, there was one in our Facebook group, we got a new Facebook group, Beautiful Anonymous, the community, if you want to you wanna join up, you should join up. A lot of people talking about the show, meeting up with each other, getting to know each other, it's a cool thing. I know not everybody wants to join, a lot of these people listening to this show like to just be kind of flies on the wall listening, I get that, but if you do want to join up, it's a cool thing. Guy named Carlos Gonzalez left a comment. He said, this week's episode was okay. I love the podcast. This one didn't really hit me on the immigration process as, as they didn't really have a hard time other than dealing with racism. It's only a small part of it. I myself am Hispanic, and our stories are a lot different. I thought that was such a cool comment, such a cool point. And if you're, if you're not going to like an episode, what a thoughtful way to express it. If you ever hear an episode of this show that sounds like it's close to what your experience was but not... Not quite the same. I would love, I would love to make companion episodes. So call in, tell me what your immigrant experience was like. If you if you listen to American Daughter, you're like, I went through something similar, but not totally the same. Call up, let me know. You can even leave a, uh, can even leave a message on our voicemail, and maybe we'll call you back for that. If you uh, if you want to pitch a story, eight zero two three nine two three two eight eight. Most of the stories shall remain random, but you can always let us know on the voicemail and something like that. We can always call you if you say I got something similar and I want to expand on what that last call had to say. Great. Now this week's call, it's it's a, it's a sad one, it's a hard one um, for a lot of us and for me personally. I still think it's a thing that 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 is kind of um, woefully under under talked about and, and not dealt with. It seems like a thing that should be pretty easy for our government to step in and and deal with it um, more strongly and for the press to cover more strongly. And then for a lot of reasons, not happening. It's the heroin epidemic and it's a huge thing all over the country. And I think a lot of people, a lot of us at this point know someone who has, who has dealt with this, who has, uh, 
who has, you know, hopefully kicked the habit. And, and a lot of us who have lost someone, a uh, lady, a young lady calls in and, and she was, she, I mean, I mean, anybody who's listening is going to agree. She, she went deep. She was in it deep. She is, she, she participated in some things, saw a lot of things, did a lot of things while she was involved in this drug um, that are, that are brutal. And she tells us all about it. And I want to thank her because this is something I'm very um, happy to help shine a spotlight on. And to hear her story of being a survivor um, of this, it, it was, it, it was, it's so uplifting to talk to her when she's on the other side of it. But the level of honesty she talks about what it was like being in there, not just the sensational side of the things that she did and experienced, but also the way people treated her, the way she treated people, the way that she dealt with the treatment available to her and, and, and why it was so hard. It's eye-opening. Eye-opening for me to hear from someone um, on the inside of it. I, uh, I say this in the course of the episode, but I would like to dedicate this episode to my friend Josh, who I grew up with, attached at the hip with him from a very young age, and he... Uh, he overdosed and he passed away, and it was one of the harder things in my life. That happened 10 years ago, and uh, I lost someone personally to this, and I've had other friends who suffer from this, and uh, many of us have. So uh, thank you, caller, for, for letting us know what it's like, dark, a dark world that you, you entered, and I'm so, so happy that you came out on the other side and that you're fighting the good fight. Thanks for calling. Hope you all enjoy listening. Let's get into it. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for talking good. today. Yeah, no problem. Uh, how's it going? It's pretty good. It's pretty cold. It's pretty cold where I'm at. Um, yeah. That's okay. Me too. Yeah. You got a lot of snow. What's that? You got a lot of snow over there? No, it's only snowed like one day so far, and then it immediately um, went away the next day because global warming is real, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wish global warming was real over here. Yeah, and you know, it's like. Uh, it is real. It's not a good thing for the planet, um, and, oh. and and I'm the first to recognize that. That being said, do I mind it being in its 60s in December? Eh, not always, but I got to remind myself that that's because the earth is dying. So I got to chill out with celebrating it too much. Yeah. <laughs> we can all do our part, I think. Yeah. Yeah. How, how are you? How are you feeling? Good. I'm a little nervous, to be honest. No, but... no need. There's no need to be nervous. I'm a um, notoriously non-threatening individual. I, pro- <laughs> I promise you that. I promise you that. Uh... I did want to say congratulations on career suicide. Super jealous. I haven't seen it. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's, uh, I've, been, I've been having a lot of fun with that one. It's uh, it's definitely tough to talk about all the time, but uh, but I'm I'm glad to be doing a show and and people seem to resp- be responding well. So thanks, thanks for that. Yeah, no problem. Oh, so I don't know where to start. I guess um, I'm a uh, mom of two little kids, but I was a pretty bad heroin addict most of my adult life. So I guess I can start with that. <laughs> yeah, that's, I would imagine uh, that'll, I would, I would imagine that'll fill an hour. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Like when I was in high school, my ex-boyfriend introduced me to pills like most heroin addicts and it just yeah. went downhill from there. So it's like, you know, but because that's what they like. Everything you read these days is that's what it is, right? It's it's painkillers, and then painkillers are hard to get, 
and heroin's actually easier to get and cheaper these days. And that's that's that. That seems to be how it goes, huh? Oh, yeah. That's exactly how it went. Wow. And it's just, it's crazy. And the guy who introduced me, he's in, like, he's going to trial right now for killing his ex-girlfriend. Like, he gave her shit, and she died, and he didn't do anything about it. Whoa. Whoa. Pretty crazy. Yeah. That's, uh... I mean, I have so many questions. I'll also tell. I'll also tell you okay. up front. Um, this one, uh, I'm just going to tell you up front, just so you don't feel awkward if I, if I, uh, if I, if I clam up. But this this one will be a hard one for me because actually, uh, one of my very good friends died of an overdose ten years ago this year. So I've been thinking about that a lot. And uh, well, I'm really sorry to hear that. I know your pain, your feeling. Yeah. I'm very sorry. No, it's okay. I mean, uh, it was ten years ago, and and you know, he he was a kid who I, I like our families grew up together. Like our families went on vacation, and we were the same age, and and it was so, it was, you know, it was also ten years ago. I think when it was maybe, maybe at the beginning of this, uh, of this wave, and it was a, a, it was it was I think a little bit more of a blindside. Um, yeah, but it's—I yeah. mean, it's never—it's never easy. But I don't want to make it about me. But I want to warn yeah. you: if I—if I get choked up or anything, it's probably because I'm thinking about my pal Josh. You know. Oh please, please! I totally understand. I mean, if I think a lot of people can relate because it's everywhere, and you know, it's pretty bad. Yeah, um, I'm really sorry. No, no, you don't have to. I don't want to make it about me. I just wanted to put out some some fa- some fair warning that if I'm a little out of character this episode, uh, uh, people people maybe know why and you'll know why. So let's let's uh, yeah. so let's talk. So tell me. Uh, I, I mean, so many questions. First of all, I think the the question I just want to get out of the way now. How how are you doing now? How how are you feeling? Oh, great! I got three years clean and congrats. You know, thanks. It was pretty much me hitting rock bottom, losing everything and I lost my first child and it's just that I went to jail for a while that pretty much woke me and straightened me the hell up and was like wake the fuck up you know yeah. what the hell's wrong with you so yeah so you had you take everybody you had your first oh, kid when sorry. you were still using yeah I sure did it was wow. a, I don't know because when you're an addict you don't think really clearly like, it's like I knew I was pregnant, but I didn't do anything about it. I never saw a doctor. When I was in labor, I went, to be honest, if I'm going to be brutally honest here, I'll just tell you everything. I was so fucked up. I went, I saw my drug dealer before I even went to the hospital, and I gave birth to my kid in my car at the hospital. Whoa. So you knew you were in labor, yeah. but you were so addicted, you stopped, yeah. you stopped for drugs on the way and actually didn't even make it to the hospital because you stopped for drugs. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So this is not a, uh, this is not a, uh, I, I dabbled situation. You were, you were, oh, all, no. you were all in. Oh yeah. Wow. And how are your, oh, uh, yeah. how are your, how are your kids doing now? How's, how's, how's the um, home life now? It's amazing. It's great. And thank God, like he's totally normal and fine and he's a big headed two year old and <laughs> you know, it's great. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Congrats yeah. on that. That's not easy. That's a, Thank I, uh, you. Yeah. I've, I've known enough people who have had problems with this that I know it's not easy to wind up where you're at right now. So, so uh, that's yeah. huge. That's huge. And before we get into all the, uh, the, uh, the grim tales of the past, I'm just glad to hear you're doing well now. 
Thanks. I'm really hoping if somebody like hears this, like they can understand like the worst people can get better, you know? Yeah. Well, hopefully, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there listening who, who at the very least know someone whose family has been affected by it. If they don't know someone personally or who maybe are in the middle of it now. And I think that'll mean a lot. I think that'll mean a lot. Yeah. 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 So, uh, I don't know. How's it? How's it start? How's this start? Were you uh, were you a troubled kid growing up before this guy, or or was it? Did this guy drag you in? No, I actually wasn't. I had a pretty okay home life, you know, normal home life. I think addictions in my family pretty bad, but my parents weren't addicted, and I wasn't really introduced to any of that. You know, I just know it's in my family, and he just showed me some oxycontin the first time, and I just dived right in and it went totally downhill from there. And I would do, I didn't have a job at the time. So I became a pretty good thief. You know, I'd go to stores and do what I had to do to make money. So. Wow. Creating crime. Now, (laughs) can I ask, I'm going to ask a question that might be wildly inappropriate. I'm, uh, Go right ahead. Yeah, I mean, mildly inappropriate, but like anyone who's a professional who works in addiction, I'm sure is like, don't ask that, let alone record it and broadcast it to the world. But here's a, <laughs> here's something I'll put. It, I don't I like because I you know I got my wisdom teeth out and they put me on Percocet afterwards, and you know I, I feel like mm-hmm. I feel like anytime you get prescribed a drug that people dabble with, you're like, oh, I get to see what this is. I I I didn't I don't get it. Like what. I don't know if everybody responds to painkillers the same way or if it just pushes buttons in certain people. What is, what, what is it about? What was it about Oxycontin that sucked you in? I've never used Oxycontin. I, would, I have some addictive yeah. tendencies as well. So I think if I was offered to it, I think I would say, I, I think I'll just be in pain and not risk it. Oh, who yeah. knows? I'm talking tough now. But So what, like, what, <laughs> what is it that took you to a different place and sent you down this rabbit hole so quickly? Um, I think... As a high schooler, I was, like, in the not cool crowd or whatever, so I got bullied a lot, and it kind of just made everything numb, you know? So I felt totally comfortable, could do whatever. I felt invincible. I felt, I thought I was pretty damn cool. So I think that's what made me start. And then eventually, after a while, you're numb to everything. You don't give a shit about anything, and then... You get so into it, and once you try to get off, you get terribly sick. And you know, hey, ten dollars can make me not feel like shit. So why not go spend ten dollars and not feel like shit? So if you had the flu, would you rather have the flu or not feel? Yeah. You know, sick. Yeah. I think that's how you get stuck into it because you can't just get off and be okay. So a lot of it initially started as like running with a crowd that's accepting you and it gives you this feeling of numbness that allows you to maybe chill out and your anxiety to go away a little bit. And the next thing you know, you're living a life of crime. For sure. When you say you, when you say you stole, are there any, like, are there any moments from that lifestyle that you like, are there any like heists you pulled off that you're like, holy shit, I did that. Like, are there any things that you're like, what was I, was I thinking at that Um, time? Oh yeah. Um, my mom owned a business and I used to take payroll checks and I'd print out my name and I'd go cash checks like every day, like what? four weeks worth of checks. 
Whoa. <laughs> I was going to cash checks at a bank, and they're like, God, you get paid every day. <laughs> so that was pretty bad. So you put yourself on a payroll. You actually put yourself yeah. on a, you like, you like filed it through the government. Like you had to fill out a W-9 yeah. at the end. Yeah, pretty much. And that's your mom's. It's your, bad. your mom must have lost her mind when she realized that was going oh, on. Oh God, she was pissed. Who's and like, she didn't. She didn't know at first. Like, she didn't. She thought it was someone at her work, so they put in cameras, and she would tell me about it. Oh. So I'd like avoid the cameras. Like, it's so stupid. Oh God. So, we, oh. I was so, I'm sorry. I just have such stupid ass stories. Like, no. I was so dumb. The last thing you got to do I, is apologize. I'm, I'm actively asking you them. I do love, I do love the idea of thinking about whoever that poor accountant was at your mom's company that had to be like, so, uh, found out who yeah. this was. And, uh, turns out it's your daughter who lives in your house with you. Uh, yeah. That poor son of a bitch oh, had a God. bad day, huh? <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh God, they brought. Oh, I can't even imagine. We used to go to like retail stores, and um, we had like plans about it. So one of us would go DVDs and like video games and technology and shit was the stuff we try to get. So one person would go in, grab all the shit, put it in a different aisle. So then another person would come in with like a big purse or we sewed pockets into jackets and they would shove all the shit in and like run out. <sighs> Whoa. Whoa. Those are, that's crazy stuff. Yeah. You get desperate. Yeah. So I've heard. Sounds like it. And I mean, I do want to say... There are probably a lot of people listening right now who are like, it is inappropriate that you've, um, Gethard, it's inappropriate you've immediately started this by romanticizing thievery and both of you laughing about it. But I would argue that this podcast is about a human conversation. And you and me, we're human beings. We're talking about a thing. We're going to find our ways to laugh and connect today. And nobody's going to judge that. Nobody's going to judge that. Okay, I'm sorry. No, you don't have to apologize. If if anybody wants to, if anybody has a problem with me romanticizing, I get it. You tweet at me, bro. You tweet at me, bro. I'll tweet back. I always tweet back. I always tweet back. So what's it? What's it like? Like, here's a question I have: Is like, so you're hooked on these pills. You're hooked on these pills. Yeah. You're like doing Mm -hmm. anything you can to get the pills. Yeah. Is there a line in your mind where you're like, at least I'm not a junkie? Like, is that a line that you eventually have to cross or does it even look that way by the end? Do you just, is it just a natural tumble? Um, I think in the beginning, I didn't think anything of it. You know, I finally felt like I belonged to a crowd because I was trying to, when I was younger, trying to be a chameleon, you know, like, or I was just like a goth kid and we're all black and people are like, oh, she's a witch. You know, <laughs> so no one talked to me. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I think I finally felt accepted, and eventually I knew I was a junkie, and I just accepted that too. I always thought I'd be part of like the Twenty Seven Club. I didn't ever think I'd live past twenty seven. You know, that was like my end date that yeah. I thought I'd be, and I just knew I was a junkie, and I accepted it, and. I lived that life and I never thought I'd get clean. One day I was like, I just, I know one day I think I'll be ready and it just happened, I guess. Yeah. So what's it like the first time you go to buy actual heroin? That's gotta be, have you are at that point, Um, have you already like 
bought pills from shady enough people in shady enough places, or is it like a, oh. or is it a difference? Can you see an actual like, oh, I'm now entering a whole new world? Um, one's in a worse side of town, I guess. <laughs> Heroin's in a worse side of town. But when I was doing pills, I got a, so much shit, like guns pointed at me for your money and stupid shit, like some big big guy came into my car and was like, give me your money. And he pointed a gun at me. It was like the second time. And I knew it was a fake gun. So I told him to get the fuck out of my car. And he took my keys and was like, I know where you live. And I had a spare key and I almost ran him over, you know? Wait, no, I don't. I'm going to be honest. No, I don't know. No, I don't. I don't know what it's like to have a gun pointed at me. Assume it's a fake, kick the man out and then try to run him out, run him over with a car. I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I'm happy you're telling me, but I can't pretend. <laughs> I can't pretend that I can just go. Oh yeah, that. Oh yeah, I know that situation. Uh, yeah, I recently went to a yeah, tile but... store and looked at tiles because I'm remodeling my bathroom soon. Uh, we, yeah, those, same thing, right? Those tile stores, <laughs> totally. Oh yeah, scary places. And then I tried to run the guy who ran the tile store over with my car. <laughs> he deserved it, I'm sure. Yeah, he wasn't providing great customer service. He wasn't providing great customer service. So that's like, that's just, because that is, it is fascinating. All jokes aside, it's fascinating to me. That, that's a story. Yeah. That's a story that you can just toss off. Like, oh, yeah, you know, your usual, you know, you wind up in the bad side of town. Yeah. Guy points a gun at you. That to you, like your breadth of, of life experience went in such a drastically different, yeah. ex- different direction in mind that that doesn't even, that, that to me feels like, the tone you had is like, oh, that's here's one that comes to mind, where to me yeah. that would be the craziest story of my entire life. Yeah, I've been through some crazy shit, but I do gotta say, I gotta say to the people, you know, I am to a point in my life where I'm okay to like talk about it and joke about it, and I understand like I don't want to romanticize it because it is kind of fucked up. So I'm, I don't know. Yeah. I was going with that, but. Yeah. But yeah, it's crazy shit. And I just accepted it. And I went through plenty of therapy to be able to just openly talk about it. So. Yeah. And it is super nice of you to talk with me about it. It is, uh, it is like, uh, it's a, it's a topic that is, 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 is very grim and scary. And then I think it's also weird because it's like, it does get press, it does get a lot more press. In the recent election, it came up, but I don't, I don't think it's, uh, I, I, I don't think it's being dealt with as, as publicly or swiftly or or as firmly as it should be, just based on what oh, I, I see and what I read. Like it seems like it's still a thing. People are kind of happy to let it remain hidden by and large. And I don't know why that is. Yeah. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because it's like traditionally a thing that has affected, um, you know, more minority communities and uh, yeah. people don't know how to deal with it. But it, it's not that that's right that people would brush it under the rug, but historically yeah. I think that's true. But now it's like cat's out of the bag. It, it is happening everywhere. It's happening everywhere. Yeah. One of my roommates. And from- like young. My roommate's from college, smartest smartest guy I ever met. He got hooked. Like I said, my friend Josh died. It's it's everywhere. Yeah, and it's sad, and young people with, like, great lives are passing away way too young, and it is an epidemic, and I think that just putting people in prison or jail will solve it, 
And there are steps being made, like they the courts now, which I went through, and it helped me tremendously. Putting people in jail makes it worse. I had so many more connections and learned so many new, like, things when you're in jail. And when you get out, you just go back to the old thing. It's about oh, wow. healing instead of just throwing people away and forgetting about them. So you're in jail, and you're meeting other people who are addicts and dealers, and they're telling you where to go who to link up with. Oh, yeah. It's basically networking. I'm sure there's drug dealers who are in there who are building a client list. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. I got so many numbers, and it's totally... 90% of the people, especially, I don't know, in the female area, is drug-related, and it's just ridiculous. And, you know, our prisons are way overran as it is. So help the people instead of throwing them away. Sorry, yeah. it's a pushy topic for me. <laughs> I'm going to ask you one favor to me. You don't ever have to say Maybe. the word sorry again this whole uh, this whole conversation. You don't okay. have to you don't have to I'll apologize try. for anything. You don't You just don't. I'll try. I it's think, a bad habit. No, it's fine. It's fine. But I I just, just want to make sure you know with this conversation like I'm 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 here to hearing you say that like that's just like such a simple like that's a one-to-one thing. No debate about it. I went to prison for yeah. this. It made it worse. It's mm-hmm. thing, it shouldn't be run the way it is. You don't have to apologize for saying that. That's for for someone like yeah. me who reads a lot about this. It's like you kind of theoretically know that, and you're the first person I've ever heard say, "Yeah, no, I got numbers of drug dealers in prison. It was completely backwards logic. They should fix that." And don't apologize. No need to it apologize. Is. Yeah. I've noticed a lot of callers to this show are constantly apologizing. And if I think we'd all agree, if there's anybody who doesn't need to apologize, it's, it's this caller. But maybe everybody, we just need to take a break. We need to calm down. And I can't think of any better way to calm down than to hear about many fine products and services that could help our lives become easier and more enriched. Thank you to our sponsors. Therapy can and should be affordable, confidential, and convenient. And this is exactly what Talkspace is. Only with Talkspace do you get unlimited messaging to your dedicated licensed therapist for just $32 a week. Join over 300,000 users who already know that with Talkspace, you can text, audio message, or video message your therapist as many times as you want without having to wait a week for your next appointment. Because with Talkspace, your therapist is always in your pocket or on your computer. And now you can even schedule a live video session with your therapist right from your smartphone. I think everybody knows I'm a very, very big um, proponent of taking care of yourself mentally. I've done a whole show about it. It's something that's become a major part of me. And I think you should find a way to do it and, and look into Talkspace. Talkspace might just be the way for you to do that. Help show support for Beautiful Anonymous by visiting Talkspace.com slash beautiful. You get a special $30 discount off your first month or download the Talkspace app on the Apple or Android app store. Use coupon code beautiful. Talkspace therapy for how we live today. Thank you to all sponsors out there who help us bring this show to the world for free. Means a lot and also means a lot that this caller called and is opening up as much as she is. Let's get back to it. And you're the first person I've ever heard say, yeah, no, I got numbers of drug dealers in prison. It was completely backwards logic. They should fix that. And don't apologize. No need to it apologize. Is. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So jail was your, jail was your rock bottom. Are there any, are there, are there, are there moments you think back to where you're like, like, Jesus, how was that not the rock bottom before that? Like, are there moments where, are there moments you think? Oh, like, for sure. Yeah, what are some of those? 
Oh, God. Well, the stealing the money from my mom's business, that should have been a rock bottom, you know. Disappointment is worse than anger, for sure. So she's the person that's like, oh, I'm so disappointed in you. It's like, yeah. ugh. Now you live in your car, so that should have been rock bottom. Or going to get drugs before giving birth to my son, that should have been fucking rock bottom. Like, that's fucked up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like... So when you get There's to, so many things. When you get to the hospital, I'm sure do the nurses just immediately know, oh, this is a drug situation here? Well, it was snowing out, so I mean I was like, it took a while and my boyfriend went inside and was like, Oh, she's giving birth and like he came out with a wheelchair and I was like, Fuck that wheelchair, you know, I'm like this kid is in the car. So yeah. I think they knew at that point. Yeah, yeah. And that boyfriend, was that the same guy that got you hooked? Oh, God, no. No, no, no. It's a totally, he's a good guy and very helpful and a great dad, and I'm grateful for him. And was he, he I would imagine he was in the drug lifestyle as well? He was, yeah. And he the, was more of a party drug, party drugs, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, yeah, he was. That's how we met. And he's clean. he's cleaned up as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, before me. Yeah. I think. So how? I've been getting your kid taken away, like, pretty much helped a lot, straightened me out. It's a horrible system, DPS, like, to have, like, your kid go through that. I'm really lucky that he's so young and he really doesn't know. Yeah, how long? And then I got him back. Yeah, how long did that take? Oh, my God. We finished not that long ago, but... I got clean pretty much right after that, and I went to jail and got clean and whatnot. And two years, almost, until we were completely finished. Wow. And were you allowed to visit him, yeah. or was it just he's off the grid, you have to clean your act up? Um, in the beginning, it was he's off the grid, and then they let us do slowly but surely. But the foster parents kind of, they were very, um, how do I say, they homeschool their kids, and they're very, very Christian, and I'm not. Mm-hmm. very Christian, mm-hmm. like, in the religion. So they thought, like, they would be much better people for them, even though we were clean and doing everything that we needed to do. So it took longer than I feel it should have. Right. But I'm glad it happened the way it did because he's a great kid. And yeah. I'm very lucky for him. Yeah. That's intense. So, so what was your yeah. uh, what was your parents' experience like? Like, um when your mom when your mom finds out that you've been stealing from her, is that the first she realizes that you're an addict? Had you hidden it up until no. then? Um, I think she was in denial for a while. And before that happened, I was in rehab probably three or four times. Because if I got in trouble, I'd be like, oh, I go to rehab. And that would usually make my problems go away for a while. So she and her mom was an addict and her mom died from died from an overdose so that wow. she just didn't want to think that her daughter could end up like that. So that was like a nightmare so, for your mom. Oh yeah. She was devastated and hurt. So bad. And, and how, uh, how did she stick with you through it or did she have to cut you off at some point? Eventually she cut me off and that helped me a lot. 
I think. She said she didn't any more shit. I mean, she called the cops on me finally. And I think that's what people need is they need the people not to be so codependent because you'll just survive a lot more with people helping you with your addiction. So eventually she cut me off and that was like, oh, okay. And like cut you off financially or was like you can't live here anymore or all of it or? Yeah, all of it, all of it. Yeah. And do you, like, where where is the addict's mind at at that point? Are you like, is there any part of you that's, you're pissed at her? Yeah, because it's like, how dare you on your daughter? You make them feel like it's their fault. You're like the way you are and you do some really mean, horrible, horrible things to make them feel worse. And you just, they have to be strong enough to be like, I don't care. Once you want help, I'll be there for you. But until then, bye. Yeah. How long, how long were you living in your car? Uh, probably like two months. Two Back. months in a car. Yeah. And I'm from the Midwest. So it was like winter. Oh, it sucked. <laughs> oh. It sucked. Yeah. I don't know how the hell that didn't straighten me out, but I am I am I am very amazed at your ability to just speak so casually about all of this. It's like really eye opening to realize like it was just your life. Like in the same way Yeah. In the same way that I'm like, Oh yeah, I did this thing and that thing a few years ago and it was cool and this and that. That was just your life. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know. Like I said, I really hope to help somebody. Yeah. Some like just show them that it's it's so. I was the worst of the worst. I don't know. I almost lost my hand because I like was shooting up some bad shit, and it almost like melted my hand off. What did you? And that wait, what do you? Me. <laughs> what do you mean it almost melted your hand off? I, don't know. I got like it looks like I got like third degree burns on my hand. I don't know. What the hell they cut it with, but it, I shot it up and it just burnt from the inside out. Oh my God. You just watched your hand bubble up and burn? Yeah. And you know what's fucked up? I kept going. I was like, oh, this hurts. You kept shooting up the same stuff? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, God damn. No. Yeah, no. No. I know. Well, this is the, <laughs> this is the first one where you've again. Again, there's like very fascinating thing for me with this, which is like <laughs> this is just your life, and you're just saying it. And for me, I'm kind of blown away. And this is I want to let you know, this is officially the first thing where I'm like, well, no, we have to stop and talk about this because I've never even heard of that, and that sounds horrible. So you kept I going. Know. You you were like something's wrong with this, but I don't care. I'm just gonna keep going. Yeah. How did you not? Up? How did you not? Yeah, it's fucked up. We don't even need to reiterate that. We don't need to. Yeah, it's one of the most fucked up things I've ever heard. And I do this podcast. That's crazy. How did you not die? How did you not die when I that got into your bloodstream? I don't know. I don't know. And it took me like a couple of days to go to the doctor. And eventually my sister's like, you got to go to the doctor. You're going to lose your hand. And like, I was like, oh, then I'll have a hook. You know, that'd be pretty cool. And like, That was your response? Uh, yeah. Wait, and who told you that you had to go to the doctor? <laughs> my sister. She's like, you should really go. And eventually she took me and they're like, you got an infection. I was like, duh, yeah. 
And but you, it's okay now. It looks fine. Was your sister was your sister using as well? No, God, no. She's like the total opposite of me. She's perfect in every way. And what's really fucked up about that is like she got like I was a horrible person, and she was just diagnosed with MS. Oh, brutal. So screwed up. Yeah. Like if anyone would deserve that, that'd be me. But yeah. She told me go to the doctor and eventually I just went. So that's but, like. I guess it was fine. So you're just like coming home. You're this troubled kid. Your family sees it. There's all these red flags. I imagine you're you're so you're in the phase where they haven't cut you off yet, and you come home and your yeah. your hand is straight up melting off your arm. <laughs> yeah. Oh my! Your sister must have been completely freaking out. Yeah. I think they all thought, like, what the hell is wrong with her? Did you know? they know it was but, drugs at that point? Was your sister like, what are you... Yeah. So your sister's oh, like, what the fuck yeah. are you doing? Yeah, pretty much. And Yeah, it was crazy. You didn't even care. You were just like, give me the hook. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. Pretty much. I was like, I could do some crazy shit with this hook. And nowadays, I'd be like, what the hell is wrong with you? (laughs) You were in deep. And now I would imagine, too, with your sister's diagnosis, which you really said, there must be a part of you that's like, I get to step up and help her now, huh? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I feel so bad for her. She's like, I don't know, just tells people, she's going to school, probably college for like 10 fucking years now, and she's got a good career, and I don't know. She everything good that happened to her because she, like, volunteers every chance she gets at places, and she's a really great person. Yeah. Just shout out to her if she knows. She would know if she heard this. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't think there's... <laughs> oh, yeah. I wonder how many people out there right now are like, I wonder if that's my sister whose hand melted off. Yeah. I wonder. <laughs> huh. Right. There's probably so many people spread throughout the world right now going, ah, it could be anybody. Who doesn't have a sister who once came home with a hand bubbling off because of chemicals they injected into it? Jeez. If there is someone else out there, God, There's... hopefully they went to the doctor right away. <laughs> now, did you, can I ask, did you ever, did you ever OD? Um, I think once, maybe, but nobody was around. Whoa. And like... I don't, I was, I don't know. I've been around plenty of people who have because I was dealing for a while and, you know, it's scary and sad. And at least I, I know one of my good friends, she OD'd and everyone just left her, but I would never do that to someone. I think I would rather go to prison. And now they have the laws where you can call and not get in trouble if someone OD's by you. Yeah. So it's a really scary thing. And when you're an addict, you're like, oh, that won't happen to me. Or you think, oh, that must be some really good stuff. Like, that's what's so fucked up about addicts when you're in it. So addicts hear and, about someone ODing and they don't, they don't, they don't become wary of that product. They actually crave it. Yeah. Whoa. Because they think, oh, that must be some really good stuff. And it's scary because it's. Especially where I'm at, like, there's some really potent stuff, and people were passing left and right, and you lose, like I said, I'm really sorry, but you do lose so many people, so many good people that don't deserve it, 
and there are people around who could help and don't. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I'm very lucky and fortunate because you think that you're invincible and it won't happen to you. And let me say it does. It can to anybody. Yeah. So when you're, when you're, uh, when you're like, when you're in, when you're in the room with someone who ODs, you say it's really scary. I, I have no idea what that, what's that look like? Like, how do you, do they just pass out? Pretty much. Pretty much, they just pass out, and they don't know what happened. If you can, if you get them back, they they don't believe that they just OD'd. You know, everybody in the room's like, "You just OD'd." They're like, "No, I didn't. I was just passed out for a little bit." But they stop breathing and they turn blue, and you got to work quick. It's a horrible experience to see. Have you have you been in the room when someone passed away? No. No, no, no. I've always been able to they have a drug narcan right now where most people I think when I was using it was an injectable, but I think now it's just like a nasal squirt. So if you're an addict or around addicts, it's it's a life saving drug that can reverse the effects of an overdose. Right. I've heard they're like, I've heard they're required. That's the drug they require a lot of EMTs to have it on hand now, right? Yeah. But I think anybody can get it. I had it. So you, you've, you've, you've administered that drug to other people? Plenty of times, countless times. Whoa. Whoa. It's a, it's a, if people, I mean, people are going to be out there losing the sad reality, you know, there should be safety measures, I feel, in place to help. Just like needle exchanges, you know, there are people out there. Why why not help, well, not help them, I guess, have them do it as safe as possible. Do I think people should be using? Hell no. But there are going to be people, I feel. At all times, so why not be as safe as possible? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think it's like it's a very old school. There's like a very old school mentality that's like, uh, like fuck them, they deserve what they get, junkies, and it's it's just not uh, it's not kind. It's just simply put, not kind. No, and, no. and most of the people that are using are amazing people. They are such amazing people that are just in a horrible situation and it's a disease. It's not a, oh, this person is just a horrible, you know, horrible junkie prisoner criminal. And like you said, they deserve what they get, but they're just people. They're anyone, they're someone's kid. They're, and the addicts are the hardest working people I know. You know, they've been through shit and they can work 500 times harder than a lot of people. Yeah. I would imagine, I would imagine that I would imagine there's a lot of, of, of addicts out there who, if they, if they can take the hard, the, the hard work they learn via the hard work they put into getting drugs, if they can apply that to other areas of life, I bet they actually could be some of the best workers when they're clean. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. 
<sighs> yeah. So how'd sorry. you? Uh, sorry. No, no, no you <laughs> got to stop. Oh crap! No, <laughs> it is. I, I have to say the uh, the grim the grimness of your stories balanced against your um, car- cartoonish Midwestern charm is uh, <laughs> is uh, a, a rare dichotomy. Um, but I'll yeah, no, there's a compliment. It is. It's a true compliment. <laughs> but okay, it great. is. But it is. It is. It is. All jokes aside, because it is like uh like you uh. You're a person who had a baby in a car, and you're a person who lived in a car, and you're a person who saved other people from ODs, and there's a lot of stereotypes and a lot of people who have maybe um, never been in a situation where they, they've met someone who's lived through that. And I think uh, when, I'm, when I'm laughing about your, your Midwestern accent and charms, there's truth to that because it is hopefully, hopefully people out there realize that you sound exactly like a lot of people they know. You know, and I think that that's uh, yeah, that's something that maybe a lot of people don't get. So maybe a lot of people don't get, yeah. Yes. So how'd you how'd you do it? How'd you clean up? I think that the you know you've said that one of the reasons you wanted to open yourself up is because maybe people can hear how you went yeah. from where you um, were to where you are. How'd you do it? I mean, you're someone who you almost melted your hand off and. Uh, <laughs> And you lost your kid, like you. I don't think too many people would argue. Yeah, like I bet any, even even a hardcore addict is probably saying, "Okay, this person's not a faker. She's lived it." No. So for yeah. those people, um, how'd you think... how'd you get out of it? That's a question I bet a lot of us are wondering, and and especially if you're somebody out there who's dealt with this, or whose family has dealt with this, or friends. I, I bet that's a question a lot of us want to know the answer to, and uh, I do as well. We'll get to that answer very quickly. First, though. We got the sponsors. They help make the show happen. They're the ones that allow me to ask questions like that. Let's hear about what they have to offer. Today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you're planning to start a business, change careers, or launch a creative project in the new year, tackle your next move with Squarespace. It's widely used by all kinds of people and businesses, including me personally. Squarespace gives you the ability to create an online platform with which you can make your latest goals into a reality. And I'll tell you just on that personal experience, I always, I, I don't know how this stuff works. Web designers, you need to call them, email them, stuff doesn't get done, people get busy. Squarespace, I've been using it. I do it all myself. It's super simple, super fun, and, uh, and, and I have this sense of agency. It's really cool. So whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included in your Squarespace website. Plus, Squarespace offers a unique domain experience that's fully transparent, simple to set up. You can add and arrange your content features with the click of a mouse. I I do it. It's easy. It's fun. And there's nothing to install, patch, upgrade ever. But if you do have questions, you can turn to Squarespace's award-winning 24-7 customer support for help. No matter how technical, trivial-seeming your problem may be, they'll help you out. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code CG to get 10% off your first purchase. That's CG, like me, Chris Gether. Don't make the same mistake I did. CG, 10% off your first purchase at squarespace.com. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Thank you so much, sponsors. And now, let's get back to the phone call. So for those people, how'd you how'd you get out of it? I think a big thing was my son. He, I wanted him so bad, and I wanted to be a great mom because I don't know. When I was younger, I was like, I never want to have kids. But once you have a child, it's amazing. And I want to straighten up for him. <clears throat> Even though when he got taken away, at first I was like, oh, fuck this. Fuck my life. I don't deserve this. I 
constantly using, but it was after I went into jail and I realized this is not the life I want to live anymore. Doing like almost a, more than a half a year. And um, I've been to rehab before then, God, countless times, nine, ten times. And it was really hitting rock bottom and just doing the work. And in the beginning, it's hard when you get clean because there's so many just adult stuff that happens and you've got to grow up really fast and just be a responsible person. And if you're not your whole adult life, you never live like that. And it's easier just to use and be in that lifestyle that you know. But it's once you get over that hump and you've got a little bit of clean time noticing that you can just live a normal life, it gets a lot easier. Yeah. And for people, for the, it's tough. I feel uh, like for the people who are in the lives of an addict, are there things that you saw from the inside that you'd speak to? Like, what, what, what can what, what, what can the people on the periphery? What, what, what can the sisters and the moms and the friends do, or what should they be looking out for? Or are there are there are there things that helped, or things that hurt, or, or you know what I mean? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for if you have a loved one that is an addict is not to be codependent, to not help them live that life. And I know it's painful and it's hurtful to cut that person off, but you have to. You have to call the cops if they don't want to help. You have to tell them what they're doing is hurting you and this is how. And if they still don't want the help, there's nothing you can do. But once they do want the help, you have to be there 110% for that person and hold them accountable. I think that's a big, big thing. If you notice any signs, to be like, what the hell are you doing? And it's going to take a while for them to understand that you're doing it for love and you're not going to trust them for a while. And every good step they take, the addict takes, the trust coming back and there's signs of, you know, theft, not or sleeping in, not doing anything, being gone all day. You know, I was gone all fucking day and feeling, you know, there are signs. I don't know. Yeah. So there's like, it sounds like for the, there's a real, there's a real like high wire act of providing that love and support and compassion and not facilitating, not being, because I, I, I would imagine too, there's got to be a lot of, uh, there's got to be a lot of manipulation in there too. There's got to be a lot of. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. You addicts become great buyers, I feel. And most people look right through that and just, they don't see that they're lying. And that's what addicts live is a lie, a life of lies. Everything. Never believe what they say. <laughs> yeah. What well, do you do? You remember? I, I had, I had a friend, and he, he might he might be listening to this. If he, if he is, I just want to say I'm not trying to put you out there. He's probably laughing already, knowing that I'm going to talk about him. But he had <laughs> he had a problem, and I I fell for a lie. Where I look back, and I'm like, how did I, how did I fall yeah. for that? I I once gave a friend of mine 150 bucks, and it was a very very convoluted tale that involved 
a bagel store and the and the sheriff. It was very it was very very complicated. And it, but I just wanted to help yeah. my old friend. I was like, oh, you're in trouble, and I can help. And I look back, and as soon as I pieced together what was going on, as soon as I kind of heard weeks later what was really going on, I was like, how? I'm a pretty yeah. smart guy. <laughs> How did I believe that story? And I'm sure my friend is laughing yeah. about it if he hears this. And I'm so happy. Yeah. He's, I'm very, very happy he's doing better if he hears this. And he knows that. He knows how much Great. I love him. What Do you remember any lies you got away with okay. that you look back now and you're like, that one was? Oh, God. Oh, my God. I have to think about that. I mean, everything was a lie. I think one time, um, I've, okay, my car broke down in the middle of a really bad area like a super bad area in the middle of winter and it was bad. And I needed somebody to help me cause I wasn't going to sleep in my car that time. So I called my, I called my mom who when at the time she did own a car dealership, I was like, Oh, I was visiting a friend and you know, my car broke down and it's really cold and I just can't get it to start. And she comes and she's like, what the fuck are you doing over here? And I'm like, you know, just visiting a friend. She's like, you were so full of shit. I'm like, I swear to God, mom, it was just a friend. And this person came up to try to help us. And he was not a friendly looking guy. Oh God, it was bad. I don't know. I have so many lies. I think my whole life was a lie then. That one was pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. Why you're in an area and you know you shouldn't be. There's like gunshots and she's (sighs) not, you know, (laughs) bad. And it's like, Uh, I would imagine there's a lot of moments for your mom where she's like, I just have to choose to buy this because I just don't want to. I just don't want to see that this is what it's come to. I would imagine there's a lot of, like, willing deception on all sides. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. You know, you need money for everything when you're an addict. Hundreds of dollars for, like, like your friend said, donuts or bagels or whatever. It's, It's dumb. Yeah. And did you, uh... Did you like I know it involved going to prison, I know it involved your kid. Did you did you did you wind up wind up on one of the like drugs that helps take you off it or did you go through a program or was it just you cold turkeyed your way out of it? Um, it was I guess all of the three. Um at first I was on Suboxone, which did help, I feel. But there's a lot of controversy I feel about Suboxone. Because people are on it for years, but if you and you can abuse it and sell it for a lot of money. So if you're just trying, if you don't want to get clean and you're on it, it doesn't help. It just hinders a lot. And then when you're in jail, you really can't get. Clean. So that's more cold turkey. And then once you get out, there's no point in getting back on a drug. But yeah, yeah, and I think. And you sound like you're you sound you sound so stable right now. You sound so it sounds like it's so much in the past right now. Is that do you still have to do you still have to recommit to that every day or how does how does it what's your mindset now? Yeah. Well not anymore. I feel that as time went on, like people don't see me for such a long time. It's that's who I was. I was an addict in recovery and that's all anyone knew. It's like Oh, she's in recovery. She's an addict, blah, blah, blah. But finally, 
you know, I'm working, I got my kids, I got my family, I'm somebody different. I'm not just who that is. And that's really hard when you're trying to get clean and become someone new and everybody's just reminding you of all the shit that you've done. It's like, yeah, I got it. I'm sorry, but we all have got to make amends and move on, like not live in that path, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What kind of work? What kind of work do you do now? Oh, God. Right now, um, I work at a metal fabrication. I do fabrication on metal, of course. But that's a whole other story. I, like, fucking hate it. And I'm the only woman there. And I work twice as hard as some of the men there. And I get paid, like, $3 less than people who just start and Whoa! You know that could be a that whole that could be a whole hour that could be a whole hour on its own right. I know that would have been. It's real. People are like, "Oh, that's just not real." Like women get paid equal. Hell no, they don't get paid equal. If we spent an hour talking about that, it would have been better than half the episodes I put out. <laughs> and you, that's Sorry. that's like the fifty-fifth. That's not even your top fifty-five stories. You had a hand melt off, <laughs> and you didn't care. I know. Lived in a car. Gave birth to a baby yeah. in a car. So were you? You were high, you were high on drugs when you gave birth to your baby. Yeah, Ooh. for sure. So yeah, I know it's fucked up. Yeah, but and how how did like when when the when the doctor realizes that when the nurses realize that does the, the tone of everything change in the hospital or is it just they're used to it? It's business as usual. They've seen everything. No, they've be, they became very hostile and judgmental. Which, I mean, I guess I can kind of understand, but even I had, like, a second baby in April, and the hospital knew my past, so they treated me differently than because my first child, I was an addict, and this one, I wasn't. And, you know, they, they, I don't know, it was pretty bullshit. Yeah. And do you have to like yeah. when you get when you when when you go to the hospital now? Do you do you have to tell them I need to avoid painkillers? Do you have to like do you disclose that? Is that the type of thing I would imagine? Like, it's a different yeah. it's a different experience for you. Like, if you get a tooth out, yeah. they can't put you on Percocet now. No, I just like got my wisdom teeth removed. I don't know, not that long ago, and I told them I for sure tell them no painkillers. Yeah. But I know that if there's something totally horrible that I had to be on, I would. And I've got people around me that supports me and will keep me accountable for sure if that time had to come. Yeah. Yeah. You're a, you're a pretty strong person. Aw, thanks. I'm just a person that lived a pretty screwed up life and and was grateful enough and strong enough to get past it, you know? Yeah. Just a person. And from the... Uh, Thank you. From the Because you said you were in high school when you got hooked on the pills. Mm-hmm. From that, from that, like, from when you first got hooked on the pills until you got clean, how many years, how many years was this your life? Ten. Ten. Ten years, Yeah. And you were what, like 15, 16 when it started? Yeah, so, and I've been clean for like almost three years, so. 
you can kind of guess my age. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's some sleuths out there doing doing math. Leave it alone. Leave it alone, you um, information math. mongers. You math. Good math. Math. Right? The bane of my existence from day one. Math. <laughs> Get out of here with them numbers. I'm a dreamer. I know. I'm a dreamer. I'm a creative type. <laughs> oh, God. They used to always say, oh, you're going to need math. And this kid in my class, like, I'm going to be a trucker. I'm never going to need math. Yeah. People would tell me math. I would need math. And I'd say, no, it makes me, it fills me with anxiety. It makes me want to vomit every time I think about it. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Fact about me. From sixth grade forward, anytime I took a math test, I'd get such anxiety that I have to leave and go do a number two every time because I'd be filled with dread and anxiety and they're like oh no you need math I'm like no there's fucking calculators they're like well you're not always going to have a calculator on you and guess what I literally yeah. have a calculator in my pocket 100% of the time I never need to if do math they knew. if only they knew the future's coming the future's coming and I'm going to do comedy right? baby what are you talking about you're talking about I need meth? No, I'm going to tell hilarious stories about a time I was on a school bus in high school. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go do I'm stand in sad bars and beg strangers to laugh at me so I can feel validated. Need math for that? Gonna do, need math for that? In the future, there will be these things called podcasts. They will be surprisingly impactful. I will somehow stumble into one that was intended to be funny and instead turned crazy serious right out of the gate because Ira Glass liked it. And now it's my thing. And no, I won't need math. Mr. Sisparo. I won't need math, Mr. Sisparo. Get out of here. Uh, someone's going to bring this podcast into his class, I'm sure. Yeah. And be like, listen, listen, I told you. He told you. Yeah. He's going to say this guy on this podcast you've never listened to because you're all in seventh grade. I knew him once. I stressed him out. I stressed him out every day with the numbers, with the multiplication, the ex exponents. I don't care. I don't care. About anyway, this went real off track. This went real off yeah. track. Note to Chris's therapist. I think you have something new to talk about. <laughs> I, I can't believe my life has now gotten to a point where callers to my show are actively sending messages to my therapist via the show. That is a new... Also, you and I, I haven't brought it up throughout the episode uh, because, you know, we got to let this conversation flow more than others and you've been through a lot. But I think an overall episode-wide sorry, Sally, to the language in this episode, big time. That's, that's my mom. I always apologize for the cursing. She hates I'm the cursing. I'm sorry. She listens to I'm every sorry, episode. I just found out. My dad told me he doesn't listen to barely any of them. My mom listens to all of them. My dad listens when my mom tells him they're good. <laughs> and he says, I rarely listen to them. My, your mom tells me when the good ones are. And, I, and then also, I rarely listen. So she's not saying too many. She'll say this one's good. She'll say this one's good. So she, she knows. Sally's out there. She knows this one was good. I miss Sally. But you, so you, to get it back on track, and I'm glad that we're laughing at the end of this, but... So you, sp I mean, at this point, just doing the simple math in my head, you, over a third of your life, you were addicted. Over a third of your life. Yeah, yeah. And that's why it's hard to get out of because like, that was most of my adult life. That's all I knew. So it's like hard to get out of that and be a responsible adult, which like kind of sucks yeah. sometimes. And I would imagine, too, most of the people you know maybe have associations with that life. 
There's probably a lot of... Oh, yeah. I'll tell you, too. One of the things I feel worse about with my friend, and I wonder if you encounter this. This is one of my greatest regrets in life, is that I... uh you know, we grew up, we were little, little kids, two, three, four, five years old. And then, and then he moved to a different town and we were still close, mm-hmm. but we weren't seeing each other all the time. And, and, uh, and my mom let me know that he had gotten addicted and, uh, yeah. I was very weirded out by that. I don't know how else to phrase it. I was very taken aback and I was yeah. very, and I had heard that, you know, like you said, there was stealing, there was lies. There was a lot of stuff going on that I was hearing about from afar. And I actually ran into him one day on Bloomfield Avenue in Montclair, New Jersey. I ran into my old friend and, uh, yeah. and, uh, he, uh, we caught up a little bit on the street and, and, and it, it was really nice to see him. And, uh, and he was so clear. It was like so clear to me that he was so excited to see me. And, uh, we exchanged numbers and he said we should hang out. And I never, I never reached out, and it was because I was scared. I was like, man, I hear he's stealing yeah. everything. I hear he's, like, stolen from people who are a lot closer to him than I am. And I judged him, and it was the last time I saw him, and it's one of my greatest regrets. It's one of my greatest regrets. So I hope uh, if I could, that's, if there's very few things in my life that if I could take them back, I would, and that's one of them. I wouldn't have judged him. And I hope, uh, I hope people hear you right now and hear how well you're doing and hear that you're just a regular person, and I hope... Uh, I hope yeah. maybe 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 the judgment comes down cuz I, I fell into it hard. I'm not I'm no saint and I'm not here to I'm not trying to be on a soapbox and say other people can't do it. I judged my friend hard and I, I will never get that back. And uh, it's yeah. one of the things that will really I think uh make make me feel bad for the rest of my life. I think that's a really um that's very emotional and a very great message to just you know not to judge them because they are people in a hard time and it's a mental, not it's a total disease that needs treatment and needs help. And I think if it's treated with more with love instead of, hey, that person's a junkie and they just are horrible people. And it's very, it's a hard thing to do. It's, it's a scary thing to do if you haven't lived it and been around it. So. Yeah, big time. And I remember my friend Josh, I remember he had gotten clean. He had gotten clean, and I heard that, and I was so excited. And then he fell back in, and he overdosed, like, right away. It was so sad. Yep. It's a it's a horrible, horrible, vicious cycle that is hard to get out of. But it is possible if you work very, very hard. So. Yeah, and I'm so happy that you did. I'm so happy. I know we don't know each other, but I'm like so. Uh, I don't. I don't even know you, but I'm. I'm like. It. It. May, I'm really. I can't say proud of you because that's not the nature of how this goes. But it's. It's. Uh, some. Some. As much of a version of that as a stranger can have. I have that for you. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I know. I. I know. Machine fabrication might not be your bag, and it sucks. <laughs> you're getting paid less, but I hope it still feels so much better than. Uh, than than where you were at. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I'm grateful for my job, even though it sucks a lot. But it's something that keeps me busy, and I can support my family. Yeah. So. We got about a minute left. What else do you want to say? It can be on the topic. Can be off the topic. Just, you want. I'm a really big. I'm a really big fan. That my kids have big heads as well, and. <laughs> I know that <laughs> they got really big heads, and I have to buy shirts that with buttons because it doesn't go over their heads. 
and you're no. comparing them to, and you're so you're saying and you're, you're closing with, after all this meaningful message and after all this heartfelt emotional talk what you want to close with is that you're you're telling me your kids like me have big heads and that's why yes that's the closing message is that part of why you're a fan of me is because i have a big head so your kids your big head kids no it's just supportive supportive and I guess I'll close real quick. Everyone, you can get clean. You can be great. Life is good. And, you, and we're here. We're laughing about it. You're saying you can get clean while you're laughing mid-sentence. And I, I would bet that for many people. Sorry. No, no, no. I think it's a good thing because I would bet for many people hearing that you're laughing and you're happy is as important as you saying you can get clean because they know it's true. I was, yeah, I was laughing about big heads still. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Chris, for taking the time. <sighs> Caller, thank you. Thank you for, uh, for sharing your story and, and thank you for being so honest and thank you for somehow finding humor while telling us about a lot of stuff. I can't believe that you actually managed to giggle while telling us how you almost melted off your own hand with bad drugs. That is uh, very intense but very human and thank you. And thank you most of all for surviving all that. And I hope you're okay and I hope your kids are okay and that you move forward into a nice, calm, happy life. Thank you for leaving us that voicemail. And if, if you are out there and you have a story that you think needs to shine, you can leave it on our voicemail number, 802-392-3288. Our producers go through it. I'll never listen. I'll never know who you are. And maybe we'll get back to you someday. In the meantime, I want to thank not just our caller, but everybody who listens to this show, who supports it, who rates and reviews and subscribes on iTunes. It really helps so much. Also want to thank the Reverend John DeLore, Greta Cohen, Jared O'Connell in the booth getting me through these things. Getting me through these things. Shell Shag, who does our intro music. Everybody asks me who does the intro music. You don't listen to the end. It's Shell Shag. Want to know more about me? It's ChrisGeth.com. Want to know more about my show? CareerSuicideShow.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more Beautiful Anonymous. Therapy can and should be affordable, confidential, and convenient. Join over 300,000 users who already know that with Talkspace, you can text, audio message, or video message your therapist as many times as you want without having to wait a week for your next appointment. Because with Talkspace, your therapist is always in your pocket or on your computer. Help show support for this show by visiting Talkspace.com beautiful for a special $30 discount off your first month. Or download the Talkspace app on the Apple or Android app store. Use coupon code beautiful. I'm a big proponent of therapy. I'm in it, have been for many years. Love it. Talkspace therapy for how we live today. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous. By the time I was 30, I hadn't really done anything. This guy had four kids and a divorce. And he's ready to tell us all about how he managed to stay positive. I, I haven't had a vasectomy or anything, but I'm totally not opposed to it. But the thing is... And, Four, four kids is a, is a lot, yeah. two with special needs, and I, I guarantee yeah. you'll probably get a lot of tweets and a lot of comments that says that dude should have wrapped his thing up, you know, so that he, you know, he should have been a little bit more careful, which I, I fully admit I should have been, but the, the thing is, is that now that I'm two years out from my divorce and trying to get back into dating, yeah. and, you know, Tinder doesn't really have a thing where you can, you know, filter out you know, women that don't want to have kids or can't have kids for medical reasons and 
That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous. Gilbert Gottfried here, reminding you that Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast is now on Earwolf. See, Earwolf I don't really know about. Now, werewolves that I know. If you told me we were going to be on a podcast network run by Maria Ospinskaya and Lon Chaney Jr., then I could get excited. Every week, my co-host Frank Santo Padre and I take a fun look back at the movies, music, and TV shows we love and the performers we grew up watching. People like Dick Van Dyke, Adam West, Bruce Dern, Rich Little, Chevy Chase, Dick Cavett, and Mickey Dolan's just to name a few. So check out the show Vanity Fair and L.A. Times called Gripping and Poignant and actor John Amos called The Place Where Celebrities Go to Die. Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast right here on our new home, Earwolf. This has been an Earwolf production, executive produced by Scott Ackerman and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.com